We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, and my name is Scott Shera. I am Grace's dad, and this program is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad because my little buddy gave her life to wake me up. And part of being woken up is to realize how programmed you have been. Those of you who have been following this program for a while know that I have 100% of the time, I believe, wore a shirt and tie. But today, I have a little bit of a hunting garb on because I, I want to do a tribute to my best buddy because she was my, my not just my best buddy, but she was my hunting buddy. So Don's going to show a few photos as I call them up in honor of Grace. And we're in the Wisconsin deer season right now. And I was telling Don before the program last night was the second time I went out bow hunting this season and I missed a beautiful buck. Uh, it was at 17 yards. Uh, a few years ago, I got a crossbow because I couldn't pull my compound bow back anymore. And, you know, I, he came right in. I, it was, uh, you know, I'm replaying it yet, as you can tell, you know, when you miss something like that, it just, it really bugs you. But anyway, I wasn't nervous, had the scope on him, everything was right. But I was in a stand where I've never shot that bow. And when I pulled the trigger, the, the bow one of the one of the bows hit the side of the window and uh, that made the arrow go right underneath the deer and I missed him. Anyway, I'm replaying that today. It just uh, kind of bothers me, but it is what it is. So anyway, in honor of Grace, I'm going to go all in on the hunting garb. So here we go. That's my surprise. All right, Don, let's pull up the first picture of Grace. So this is her sighting in her 243 rifle. She was an outstanding uh, uh, aim. She had outstanding aim because she never flinched. It was pretty neat. All right, let's show her with the first buck that we got together. So that's a few years back. It was uh, during the youth hunt and that's my grandson Caleb with Grace. All right, so then we'll show her getting ready for bed. So this is inside the hunting cabin. You can see uh, she's got her nightie on getting ready for bedtime. And then we'll show another one. The next one is her with her 243 inside the deer stand. So one of the cool things about having Grace as my hunting buddy is we got some pretty nice deer stands. So this is a heated stand. That's why Grace doesn't have her hunting stuff on. We keep it nice and toasty in there. And then last is a picture on the porch, the hunting porch with one of my brothers who hunted with us that year. All right, so now we'll get into the more serious, if you wouldn't mind bringing in our guest, Don. So for everybody who doesn't know, I'm guessing everybody watching this program does, this is Karen Kingston. And, you know, Grace showed love by encouragement, and that was God's gift to her. And Karen Kingston shows love by telling the truth. And I've gotten to know Karen. She blazed a trail for me. You know, I'm in the hospital murder lane. She's in the bioweapon lane. And you know, she has uh, not just blazed a trail for me, but blazed a trail for a lot of people. So Karen, great to see you this morning. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and I mean, when, I, when I originally came to the program to defining these 
these injections by 18 USC 175, it was a prog progression. But I just like what happened. Um, it's it's very so. I, I mentioned to you that my father had a catastrophic injury in a hospital due to negligence, right? right? Um, but it was truly, um, yeah. It was you know, um, it was truly a um, a, a mistake. Um, and the lack of informed consent was kind of a gray area. What, uh, and, and this is, this is, I'm telling this story because this is the reason why I came forward was my father was living in California before I moved out here and his cardiac surgeon wanted to do this experimental procedure where um, they were going to make major punctures in his left ventricle, right? Because he had congestive heart failure. And I said, there's no way, dad, that they're doing that. You know, I said, come. And I used, I knew some of the top cardiologists around the world, you know, working for Pfizer. So I flew him back into New York City and he had his um, he had actually six or eight more stents put in and he had all of his arteries just cleaned out. But they put him on Plavix, heparin and warfarin. And so his blood was very, very thin to do the procedure. And then thereafter to clean out um, the clots and he ended up stroking. Now, at the time I was working on the Viagra account, you know, for Pfizer. So. I often didn't get off of work before midnight and because I knew the head of the cardiac uh, surgery unit at the hospital, they would let me in. So I was there one time at one in the morning and my father said he had a headache and he was slurring his words and he asked me to go get him a cat. And I know he meant a can of soda. And so I called the staff over, you know, the um, fellows over, the cardiac fellows. I said, there's something wrong with my father, you know, um, and, and I'm like, he has a headache, he's slurring, he's confused. And like, well, your father is in his, you know, you know, mid to late sixties. That's normal. I go, no, my father's always been sharp as a tack. And I had to call the cardiac surgeon who lived at the UN Plaza, uh, literally at two in the morning, um, to say, there's something wrong with my dad, get your butt down here. And he stopped the blood thinners and they did a scan and he had a, a, a clot or a hemorrhage, sorry, in his brain, the size of a, a golf ball. Um, and it saved his life, but he was never the same after. And so when I read the Pfizer filings and when I read the patents and when I looked at the, the side effect profile, you know, I had made a post on Facebook before anyone knew who I was where I'm like, I'm just sharing this information because this happened to my father and I didn't know that there was such high risk for him of having a stroke and he was never the same again. And if I had known that information, I may have made a different decision or I may have made sure he was monitored in a different way to have prevented that from happening. And, and that's why I originally came forward. It was, um, I originally just came forward to say, you need to know what the risks are. And, and I was very adamant about no child should ever get this because I saw the way I looked at the myocarditis data early on, um, just doing projections, financial projections in the industry. I was like, this is gonna go up to 25% of the kids are gonna get myocarditis. You could, you could see the trajectory from the, from, from the information. Um, so that's why I originally came forward was to protect God's children. And I originally pointed out that the, the lots varied in formulation because of the serious adverse events. And normally you would recall those lots to test for contaminants. So that was my first strategy. Uh, so the contamination strategy, and I talked about plasma DNA as well, um, in October. So I'm like, these, you know, these lots should be recalled and test for contaminants. So, um, I was kind of, I felt like I was just, you know, yelling into a tunnel um at the at the beginning and i just i just kept marching forward and and now thank goodness the freedom movement leaders have all agreed that the shots should be recalled and um nobody should get them and um i think that you know uh, and, and people are, act, are actively working to remove them at the county level 
uh, and at the country level outside of the U.S. So that's good. Yeah, that's a that of course is a positive if we look at it just in terms of the actions. I I have some reservations as to how we got there, which you know we'll dive into that a little bit as we go. I'm going to read um, a bit of Karen's bio because I think it helps set up what we're going to talk about later on in the hour. Uh, so I'm going to just read directly what you sent me, Karen, is I think it's well done. Karen Kingston is a biotech analyst and med legal advisor with the expertise required to provide citizens with the evidence and words to understand and articulate the COVID-19 crimes committed against them with mRNA injections under the guise of public health safety and national security. Unlike other legal and medical experts, Karen understands the emergency use authorization and quote, vaccine, end quote, med legal landscape, its loopholes, and where Pfizer forfeited their alleged ironclad immunity so that big pharma, the big pharma giant can be criminally prosecuted and convicted as well as sued. So I have the title today, Karen, I, I put the title is Your Perspective, Are We Done Ignoring Evil? And, you know, to start out, what I, I believe is necessary is people have to understand evil. And the reason I say that is I was one of those who didn't. You know, I, I have been a believer in Jesus for about 30 years. So, I mean, I understood the devil exists, but I really never understood evil like I do today. It's one of the things that I had to be deprogrammed with. So I'm going to have Don bring up a couple of slides to introduce it and then um, a video clip. And then I'm going to get your comments about, you know, so you can process this question, is what how do vaccines play into the evil agenda? So, Don, can you bring up the first slide about the tree of knowledge? So this is just a simple slide. I've shared this many times. Is Way back in the garden when, when we mankind was first exposed to evil, Satan tricked Eve with the, the tree of knowledge. God always had the other offer, which was the tree of life. And then if you look at what God says in Genesis 3.15, that's the next slide, Don, he tells us ahead of time that Satan's role is to bruise his heel. Well, we, mankind and the earth, is God's heel. And so Satan's role is to do just that. Don, will you play this clip then? This is an explanation of Ephesians 6.12, which helps set the stage for understanding evil. Now, for a brief description of the kingdom of Satan and its headquarters, we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, which actually is an absolutely key verse on this whole theme. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. For our wrestling match is not against persons with bodies. Now that phrase is taken from the Living Bible, and I think it's a very good phrase. We are in a wrestling match, but we're wrestling persons who don't have bodies. Well, that immediately causes us to adjust our thinking because we're not used to the concept of persons without bodies, although there are multitudes of such persons in the universe. Then he says, in the Prince Version, against rulers 
with various areas and descending orders of authority. So it's a very highly organized kingdom. There are rulers in this kingdom, each with a particular area of responsibility. And under each of those rulers, there are sub-rulers who are responsible for sub-areas in that kingdom. Now you might say, well, Satan was very clever to devise such an organization. That's not so. The truth of the matter is that he rebelled against God, being, as most people believe, in, one, in charge of one-third of the creative angels, uh, brought his angels into rebellion against God with him, and were cast out of heaven, and simply set up a rival kingdom, keeping the organizational structure that they had when they were part of God's kingdom. Our wrestling match is not against persons with bodies, but against rulers with various areas and descending orders of authority, against the world dominators of the present darkness. And I deliberately use the word dominate because the Greek word is a very powerful word. And I choose the word dominate because God never dominates anybody. Wherever you encounter domination, it's something satanic. Dog, that's not how God rules people. But Satan's ambition is to dominate the whole world. Do you understand that? Not just some little part of humanity, but through a kingdom of darkness to dominate the whole world. And because his kingdom is a kingdom of darkness, the people who are in that kingdom, for the most part, don't know what they're in. Okay, so that seems like a, a bigger explanation than what we need, but it's not. And the reason it isn't is because what we saw with COVID, COVID really opened this up for me personally, and, and that is that there, this satanic battle is over souls. And what COVID did is shows how Satan uses minions to control us. And what you did, Karen, the first when I first started following you was several months ago. And Don, I want you to bring up the substack that I have for number four. So this is the first substack that I read of yours back when I started following you. And you called the mRNA vaccine a manipulative lie. So then the question I have for you that I asked beforehand was, what part do vaccines play in the evil ag agenda? And when you answer that, Karen, I want to have the listeners have kind of a sense of how evil this bioweapon is. You started with that in your intro, but I want people to really understand how evil this is. And Don, you can bring up slide um, slide th three from the PowerPoint while Karen answers, because it's, it's cute. She's the one who sent this to me. Oh, did you want to Go ahead, Karen. The floor is yours. Oh uh, well, for, well the the historical you know definition of a vaccine was you know it was a weakened virus or part of a virus that allowed you to produce um, antibodies so your humoral response so that you 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 wouldn't get infected and typically children actually don't even need vaccines because their innate immune response or white blood cells wipe out foreign genetic material when their body is exposed to it pretty efficiently. Uh, they, they may have a fever for a couple of days, but they're really efficient at it. So the term vaccine when used with the mRNA injections is was a complete red herring. They used it because so many people were used to getting vaccines for purposes of preventing pandemics based, um, from viruses, but it was a complete um, 
uh, misnomer. And in my industry, there's a um, nomenclature is the science of basically making up words or redefining the terms of words. Um, so uh, they took um, basically gene editing technology um, and called it a vaccine. And actually, what it what it literally is, it's a uh, uh, it's a synthetic modified um, organism that is parasitic in nature that produces foreign DNA in the human body that's both biological and synthetic. Um, so if that made sense to people, that that's really what it is. They, they would need to create a whole new category outside of pharma, device, and biologics to, to actually deter, to define what this is. So my first um, data that I exposed was the Pfizer phase three filing. So, um, you know, when I started off in marketing, what we would do is we would take the phase three data that was submitted to the FDA and we would make charts and graphs and pretty pictures and headlines to simplify it so doctors could easily understand the information. And then we'd simplify it again so that um, patients could understand it. And then we also were a bunch of tattletalers in our my industry. So if a competitor was giving us a lot of problems, we could easily go into their phase three filings and find stuff that they did not bring to the attention of the FDA and put, sure. have them have warning labels slapped on them or have the products recalled. Uh, the the industry self-regulated itself. It's not what it, it's not really regulated the way people think that it is. Um, but because everyone was in on the vaccines, I mean, um, you can look at uh, CDC filings. Every major pharma company had some mRNA products coming out in the next few years. Um, so this this um, is from my Substack called "When Is uh, Cherry Picking Data a Crime?" So like as I said, when we submit the data to the FDA, when people do publications, doctors do publications. Um, they select the data that makes the product look most favorable and often intentionally, um, you know, recalculate or leave out some information that, you know, so that, that it doesn't look that favorable. Um, but in the Pfizer case, I mean, you know, they left out 80% of their deaths. Um, in the filing, 409 people came down with severe disease, which could have included hospitalization, hospitalization and death in the injection group within one week of the first or second dose. And like they just didn't disclose that to the public. It was in the filings. They just said it was 95% effective. Um, so, so I did this little cartoon where um, this kind of reminds me, like I stopped asking questions in meetings because I would get in trouble. Um, but you know, a little girl's asking a doctor, you know, excuse me, why did you exclude thousands of cases of COVID-19, um, 409 cases of severe disease, and most of the deaths, 80% from your three efficacy data analysis? And he's like, great question, little girl. Well, the objective of the phase three study is to prove that vaccines are safe and effective for lots of people. The study participants who received Pfizer mRNA vaccines and then became sick or died didn't meet our objective. So we told the FDA, we're not going to count them in our analysis. Uh, and the FDA was totally cool with it. And that's how you convince people to take a safe and effective vaccine. Isn't science great? And, and this is literal. So if you look through most of my substacks, uh, in the phase three filing, I don't remember what page number it is now. I want to say it's either 14 or 41. Uh, they clearly state that the, the original data we thought was everyone from 16 and older, but there was thousands of children between the ages of 12 and 15, and they looked at safety data for 100 children. And it says in the filing that the uh, risk-benefit ratio for the children was not favorable. And they said, do not disclose this information to the public. Um, that's almost verbatim what it says. So they knew on November 20th, 2020, meaning the FDA and Pfizer knew that they were going to cause harm to the children. Uh, and they said, move forward anyway. And then there was a June publication on the children's um, uh, vaccines for, for COVID. And they said it would be statistically infeasible to find a vaccine 
that could be proven to be uh, safe and effective because children don't get, get the infection. So they said it was impossible to make a safe vaccine and they knew it was gonna harm them. And that's criminal. And I've been saying that for over two years now. And um, I think people are picking up on it. So um, yeah, the, the original data I exposed was the original phase three, was the original phase three filings. And then I looked into the patents because if you take a look at the um, submission to the FDA under clinical pharmacology, where it says, you know, where they explain how the vaccine works, it literally says that, you know, um, the mRNA injections cause um, an immune response, um, but the exact mechanism of action on how it prevents SARS-CoV-2 infection or disease is unknown. So I was like, what are these things? And that's why I looked at the patents and when you read the patents, it's obvious, it, it, it says that they are diagnostics um, and delivery devices. So it's obvious that they were diagnostics, they were devices. And lipid nanoparticles are classified by the FDA historically, um, gold lipid nanoparticles technology as devices. Um, they're, they're used for diagnostics and uh, in research for cancer, they'll deliver um, they don't even have to deliver payloads. They're, they're just because they are devices that host electromagnetic fields, the lipid nanoparticles will go to tumor cells and then an outside source will emit um, energy and that energy will annihilate the cells and the tissues around it, killing whatever's around it, which would be the cancer. So we were completely lied to about what these were. And um, the first letters I sent out were in May of 2021 to um, key physicians and, and organizations and influencers and mainstream media and some alternative media where I said, and I attached all the documents. I was, I never wanted to be a spokesperson. I attached um, a, a, 24, a 2004 study from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, merging HIV glycoprotein 120 and GAG 160 with, with coronaviruses. I included the patents. Uh, I included some of the early data from Barney Graham and Jason McClellan who patented the spike protein. And I include the master patent. And I said, if you have an expert in infectious disease, you know, or a legal expert, read these documents. I believe they will come to the same conclusion that I that I did, which is that these mRNA vaccines, so-called vaccines, are bioweapons that can cause serious damage to major organs throughout the body, not including and not excluding respiratory, um, cardiovascular, circulatory, reproductive, and specifically crosses the blood-brain barrier. That was the, and my, 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 my email was said, 911 call, the mRNA injections uh, should be recalled. That, that was what I put out in May of 2021. And talk about being naive. I literally sent that out. And then two, three weeks later, I sent it to Fox News. I poured myself a glass of Chardonnay because I said, it'll take me like three or four weeks to catch up on anything. Turned on Fox News, like turned on Tucker Carlson. And I'm thinking, I saved the world. They're going to report on how they have to recall these things because I sent out all the information that nobody had, including the patents. People don't normally read patents. Everyone's acting like that's normal. It's not normal. It's something. <laughs> you know, like, so, so then I hear Rand Paul on with like Tucker's report on Rand Paul saying, uh, "We believe that the virus came from a lab," and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! We're so far past that. This is not what we're supposed to be talking about." And the first time I was on Stu Peters and I showed that the the graphene oxide was in the injections per the patents, per their manufacturers that they contracted with um, in, in China. Um, and Stu asked me, he goes, he goes, well, the government had to know about this. Everyone must have known about this. And my response, Scott, was, I said, no, there's, there's no way, you know, anyone other than the inventors could possibly have known about this because it is so evil and demonic. 
I understand anyone with a soul would not have allowed these to be unleashed on the human population. I was that naive. I, I thought there's no way that anyone would knowingly allow, these are what they call synthetic, they're, they're synthetic pathogens, they're part biology, part technology that hijack human cells um, to produce non-human DNA. And let me, let me get, so the, uh, Stephanie Seneff, who is, is a name that should be well known, she wrote in May of 2021, a article called Intended Consequences in one of the peer-reviewed journals. And she goes through about six different ways that uh, the mRNA shots can cause myocarditis in three dozen different ways that it can cause disease, disabilities, and death. But like what I was saying, it produces foreign DNA in the human body. So the, the lipid nanoparticles look like cholesterol and they contain glycoprotein. They're coated with glycoprotein 120, which is the HIV envelope. Fauci said there's a Trojan horse mechanism of action. I was like, I haven't heard that term since they talked about HIV and AIDS in the 80s. So it goes underneath your innate immune system, your, you know, your white blood cells are normally like would, you know, attack and kill it. So it goes underneath that. And then because it has a positive charge, so it, it, it's no lipid in nature can host a positive charge. It goes into the cells, hijacks the cells and uses the gene editing technology to produce foreign DNA. So we're talking about DNA from bats, right? The bat coronavirus, and it's in, it's in their purity publications, reptiles, insects, uh, and there's also metals. So so for example, if it goes to the heart and it hijacks heart cells, and now they're presenting with foreign DNA. And I think it was Surgeon General Latipo that discovered this. Now, if you get bacteria or a virus in your body, so that's foreign genetic material to a human, your white blood cells, your macrophages will eat it up. It's called phagocytosis and, and, and eat up that, those foreign genetic material, right? And, and dispose it, eliminate it from your body. Well, they found this weird myocarditis where white blood cells and parasites, heart cells, were eating the actual heart muscle itself. Yeah. Well, that's because the heart muscles are presenting with DNA that's not human DNA, that's not that's foreign to your body. God did not make us this way. We do not get sick from viruses, from from rats and reptiles and rodents and insects because God did not create us to merge with other species, right? Our body will take care of it and 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 kill that. You you and what this technology does is it it mimics human cells in a synthetic way, so that our body doesn't eliminate it. It goes under our God created immune system, and they call it the the four billion year barrier, which is um, the, the the cellular wall outside of our cells. Normally, a single helix virus couldn't get through it. Well, this demonic technology goes right into it and starts rewriting the DNA. So it was a horrible idea. And, and, and I don't understand how anyone in infectious disease didn't know this. I mean, I worked on special immune diseases, like graft versus host diseases, when people get an organ transplant from someone, you know, um, it could be from a sibling that's a genetic match to them, but it's still not from their body. And graft versus host disease is when your um, immune system, both the humoral immune system and the innate immune system, starts attacking the body and you start getting skin lesions and plaques and sores and, um, you know, kidneys, you're shut down. So like your body starts attacking cells. So the concept of expressing foreign DNA in the human body, even with original vaccines is a horrible idea. It's a terrible idea. And with this technology, again, it's more than just expressing it. It's literally a, a synthetic pathogen that genetically modifies 
the host that it's injected in, which would be the human. So it's doing the gene editing inside the human body. And that is quoted by mRNA specialists around the world, including out of Carnegie Mellon and um, Texas Institute and around the world. So, the, so for mRNA to succeed, the gene editing has to be done inside the animal, inside the body. We are the animals at this point. Does that make sense? What I went yeah, through? Yeah, you did, you did a fantastic job connecting the dots, even for a novice like me. You know, what I pulled out, I want to go down a couple of other questions because, you know, the idea that would be obvious to somebody who's just waking up is why did they bother with a patent? Why didn't they just do this? Well, you know, as I've been learning, it seems to be part of the Luciferian agenda that they want to make sure every T is crossed and every I dotted so that they have a legal stance. And then by nobody taking a stance against it, they've gotten tacit approval for this agenda. So, I mean, this is well known ahead of time. You can see it is by design. The follow-up question I have for you is, is some of the information that I've been reading says that you know only five percent of the batches were bad and i wonder about that or is it just a matter of degree uh so what is what what do you know about the the different batch scenarios um so pfizer openly discloses in their biological license application fda approval that the batches vary in formulation uh there's one paragraph where they clearly state uh, we will send out a healthcare provider letter to let them check lot number to make sure that is compliant with the uh, Comirnaty formulation. And that, that was BNT162B according to their internal Greenwich, Connecticut research facility. So they say the batches vary in formulation. If you take a look at the um, Pfizer filings from April of 2021, is April 2021, yeah, you'll see that they had 12 different formulations um, and allegedly a placebo. I don't know if the placebo was actually placebo or if it was um, uh, if they were just blanks, meaning they're lipid nanoparticles that didn't have the gene editing technology. It was just the LMP technology without any um, spike proteins, you know, payloaded into it and, and programmed. So the, the lots do vary in formulation. Now, here's what's interesting is Pfizer did disclose their how they made the, the spike proteins, which are which is the mod RNA, the modified ribonucleic acid, right? So they, 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 that was in the Pfizer lab leak from Greenwich, Connecticut. I'm gonna to try to explain this simply, but they basically order the genetic material, the non-human genetic material from uh, a company called Sino Biological out of China. And then at the Pfizer labs, what they did was they, um, they exposed that to something called expectafamine, uh, expect if I'm saying that right, human embryonic uh, cells, kidney cells. So those are human embryonic kidney cells um, that are bathed in a, a bath water that gives it a positive ionic charge so the cell membranes are penetrable. They then expose it to the foreign genetic sequences, which they call the, the SARS-CoV-2 variants. If you go to Sinobiological, there's over 200 SARS-CoV-2 variants you can order and make the virus yourself. So they expose the human embryonic cells to these genetic sequences and, um, and then using cryo-electro uh, microscopy and something called Vitrobot, they, the Vitrobot is, a, is an atomic force that then forces the human embryonic kidney cells to then burst out these new genetic sequences. They're calling them proteins. 
and it's done over something called a gold and graphene oxide gold and graphene oxide quantifoil. So this non-human DNA that's being expelled by human embryonic kidney cells, so it's part human now, part bat DNA, rat DNA, whatever, parasites, it now merges with um, with a literally atomic-sized uh, gold and graphene oxide, and it's it's vitrified. So they try to get down to something called absolute zero, which is like negative. Like they can't. It's, I think it's negative two hundred eighty degrees Celsius. They can't get down that low, so they get down to or Fahrenheit. So they get down to like negative one hundred and fifty-four degrees, and and then they vitrify it. So that's like when a woman has her eggs frozen, they're vitrified, and and what they have is they have different samples of these non-human, part-human DNA that's now merged with technology. And then and the reason why cryo-M is used, and I've been criticized for this, is people don't understand the technology. It's combined with a technology called Vitrobot, which then freezes those samples. So when a woman has her eggs frozen, you call those viable samples. So it is a, it's, it's this new living organism that needs a host. So um, viruses are typically called inert DNA or dead DNA. Once a virus is alive, it's either it's it's, back, it's a it's a parasite, you know, or or you know that's basically what it is. So that's why the that's why the um, vials had to be kept at such a low temperature. So I believe a lot of people didn't get sick because, um, again, if you were to freeze um, a woman's eggs or embryos and you were to keep those at room temperature for too long they're no longer viable, they die off. And it seems like that is exactly what's happening with the samples of these uh, vaccines. I mean, they have to be kept at negative 80 degrees, uh, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, or I can't remember if it's Fahrenheit or Celsius, I'm sorry, I didn't look, but literally like subarctic temperatures. So you're, you know, why do you have to do that? It's because those samples are, they're, they're new organisms just like that can produce life forms, just like a, a woman's eggs could or, um, frozen embryos could, you know, does that make sense? Or, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit over my pay grade, but not, I'm sorry. Not, I was just trying but, to, yeah. So, so, no. that, so it has to be, I, kept with those, so when the temperature, so they're not kept properly. And I think Dr. McCullough reported on this as well. If they're not stored properly, you know, you're not going to have as much damage because, um, the, the, the gene editing, the genetically modified organisms in there probably died off. So you're just getting the lipid nanoparticles, which in and of themselves are very inflammatory and can cause, um, uh, they go to the brain and they go to the heart and they can cause inflammation. And well, in August, I mean, that's really one of the reasons I brought up the question, because in August, I heard Dr. McCullough bring this up that, you know, if you didn't have any reaction to it now, you're good to go is was really what he said. I thought, well, that seems strange. I don't know if that's, that's true or not. And, you know, if, if that you know, people who are not awake certainly have that viewpoint because my wife has talked with many people. They said, well, I, nothing happened to me. I mean, what's, why are you, why are you so against this? And it's, well, it's frustrating it, to me to hear that. Well, so I just gave a complicated, let me give a simple explanation. So I gave a complicated explanation regarding the storage of the temperature, but Pfizer says the lots vary in formulation. They file 12 different formulations with the FDA. So some are five microgram doses, some are 10 micrograms, some are 30 and some are 100, right? And and they also, it's different in the um, genetic material. So some, they literally filed the vaccine for the South African variant in 
in May of 2021, even though it didn't come onto the scene until November of 2022. So we know that the vaccines cause a variant. So people might have gotten a lower dose of the mRNA um, and they didn't have uh, an overt reaction right away. The idea is that your body is, you know, at the 100 microgram dose, I think I don't think anyone can survive that. Um, uh, but at the lower doses, the idea is for this to assimilate with your body. You know, again, it's it's non-human DNA and genetic material and synthetic material. And the purpose of it is to merge with the human body. I called it a parasite, you know, a synthetic parasite. Uh, and people kind of hit me with it, hit me for it. But the idea, just as Elon Musk says, is eventually they want humans to merge with technology. Um, and, and so, so that, you know, the idea is that, right you know, in a, sim, in a symbiotic parasitic, you know, environment, the parasite would merge with the host. In this case, it's not exactly symbiotic because the host becomes weakened. We become, our systems become less functioning from our cognitive system or, you know, our ability to think to our hearts, to our respiratory system as the parasite con con continues to integrate and grow. Gosh, I mean, people have to see this as, as not just evil, but where did the evil come from? I mean, this is a satanic agenda because no man could orchestrate it at this level. You know, the next question I have for you, you can process while the clip is played, but it is, why has the vaccine evil been ignored for so long? Because this has been going on for decades. It isn't, you know, the mRNA technology exposed it. Everybody should be able to see it now, but still most people are blind to it. And so what I'm going to have, Don's going to play this clip. And then while you answer the question of why it's been ignored so long, you know, the slide you sent last night, I'll have him bring up. But this clip, interestingly, is from Rudolf Steiner. And he said this back in 1917. So get out. I mean, that's framing what's going to be played next. So go ahead, Don, you can play that clip. On the other hand, the spirits of darkness are now among us. We have to be on guard so that we may realize what is happening when we encounter them and gain a real idea of where they are to be found. The most dangerous thing you can do in the immediate future will be to give yourself up unconsciously to the influences which are definitely present. For it makes no difference to their reality whether they are recognized or unrecognized. It will be the main concern of these spirits of darkness to bring confusion into the rightful elements which are now spreading on earth and need to spread in such a way that the spirits of light can continue to be active in them. They will seek to push these in the wrong direction. I have already spoken of one such wrong direction which is about as paradoxical as is possible. I have pointed out that while human bodies will develop in such a way that certain spiritualities can find room in them, the materialistic bent, which will spread more and more under the guidance of the spirits of darkness, will work against this and combat it by physical means. I have told you that the spirits of darkness are going to inspire their human hosts, in whom they will be dwelling, to find a vaccine that will drive all inclination toward spirituality out of people's souls when they are still very young. And this will happen in a roundabout way through the living body. Today bodies are vaccinated against one thing and another. 
In future children will be vaccinated with a substance which it will certainly be possible to produce and this will make them immune so that they do not develop foolish inclinations connected with spiritual life. Foolish here, of course, in the eyes of materialists, where a way will finally be found to vaccinate bodies so that these bodies will not allow the inclination toward spiritual ideas to develop. And all their lives, people will believe only in the physical world they perceive with the senses. Out of impulses which the medical profession gained from presumption, oh, I beg your pardon, from the consumption they themselves suffered, people are now vaccinated against consumption. And in the same way, they will be vaccinated against any inclination toward spirituality. This is merely to give you a particularly striking example of many things that will come in the near and more distant future in this field. So this is over a hundred years ago. He predicted what is going on now, which is a spiritual agenda, which is being accomplished with, with the mRNA technology. So, you know, back to my question I had for you is why has this vaccine evil been ignored for so long? What do you, what's your perspective? Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, causing man to turn from his faith and pierce his heart with deep sorrow. So uh, I think one of the things, Scott, that you experienced, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say this. And I mean, I worked, you know, I, I worked in the industry. I called on doctors. Um, doctors are unfortunately very well trained to be excellent gaslighters. Um, so if something goes wrong, you know, they're trained by their, you know, the company that they're with, you know, the, the, the you know, if they, you know, a big organization like a Kaiser or by their own attorneys to never admit that it was anything that they had done that caused the harm, right? Uh, just say, oh, that, that's normal or say that, and we used to train, we did this. I mean, I, um, I sold a, an antihistamine that knocked people on their butts. That's a, it was a, um, metabolite of Adirax, which was used in World War II. And people would say, well, I had some patients, they wake up the next morning, they, they can't even get out of bed. And, you know, the reaction is, oh, we've never heard of that before. That must be an anomaly. So you either hear that or you hear, oh, well, that's, that's, that's normal. You know, that's a normal reaction, you know, which is what we're hearing with the vaccines. It's like, oh, if you feel like you got hit by a truck and can't get out of bed for three days and have a high fever and dead arm, that just shows the vaccine is working. And if you end up going to the hospital and dying, that just shows the vaccine is working. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, so truly the money is motivating people. And for people that, um, and for physicians that are in group practices, even if they're not motivated by money, they don't have the internal strength or the connection to God to then not succumb to the peer pressure, you know, because the financial incentives for vaccinating children, you know, I believe Blue Cross Blue Shield gives you $40,000 if you get a child fully vaccinated, right? You need a certain percentage in your practice. So if you're in a group practice with other doctors, they're going to pressure you to have your child patient be injected. And if you won't do it, I wouldn't be surprised if someone would be like, look, Mary, get out of the way. I'll go talk to your patient and inject them because they want those bonuses. So, so I think it's a combination of social pressure where um, there, there, people are, are financially incentivized, but not everyone is. But then there's social pressure where people, instead of serving God and, you know, and loving God with all their heart, mind, and spirit, and then loving their neighbor through that love of God that he has for you, 
which is what grace had, right? That love of God. Instead, they're serving people. They're not being a servant of Jesus Christ. They're being a servant to people and of the flesh, right? And, you know, that being a servant of the flesh is you're, you're serving evil. So you can't just kind of do a little bit of evil and, and mostly good, you know, you, evil will not stop itself and you can't appease it. We've learned this throughout history. You, you have to face it full on, full stop, which is why I'm so floored and impressed by what you and your legal team have been able to do. Uh, because the, the judge that you went to, miraculously, I believe the Holy Spirit worked through him to say, no, enough is enough evil men are not going to stop themselves. And if I don't uphold the law and God's laws in the court, then we will be living in a law of lawlessness, which is what we're going to, and a law of evil. And right now we're saying, if we're saying it's okay if you're a doctor to murder someone in the hospital for a financial incentive, in the state of California, it's okay if a baby dies or is murdered within 28 days, there'll be no investigation. Well, what's the next creep? I mean, at some point, it's just going to be okay to murder anyone, any child, any pregnant woman at will. Because if you're saying it's okay for the doctors to do it, why is it not okay, you know, for someone else to do it? Why is it not okay if you hired a security officer who's supposed to protect you and your family and they go in your house and they set off some aerosolized, you know, time release while they're outside your house? And it kills you and your whole family. And they go, well, I put it in there in case there was an invader, it would kill them. So I'm not responsible. Right? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's right. That's that's right on. Uh, medical murder is an acceptable crime in the United States. You know, I had approached the coroner, the county coroner, regarding Grace's death because I just simply, you know, at the beginning, I thought, I just want to have the death certificate changed because it's a lie. And the answer was, we don't investigate any hospital deaths. I mean, it's it's an acceptable crime. I mean, so that fits with what you just said. I have a couple it, other. Go ahead, Karen. Sorry. But that's that's the same thing if you hired a security guard and you and and you know for you and your family, and then everyone was dead the next day, and then they go, well, we don't investigate right. death deaths when you hire security. You're like. They did the exact opposite of what they were like the exact opposite outcome happened to what they were hired for the exact opposite outcome happened to grace of why she went in that hospital she went in there to get have her, her health restored correct she was i know i'm sorry i don't want you, she was murdered in, i mean it's right on yeah yeah you know uh I, I want to, um, because you gave that slide last night, I have it on my notes to bring up, but I want to, the slide that you sent uh, Don and I last night, I'm going to have him bring that up now and have you comment. And then I'm going to switch gears a little bit, but still an answer to this bigger picture. So go ahead and comment on this slide, Karen. Um, so this is, BioNTech is, is Pfizer's partner, you know, in, in the mRNA injections. They, um, they brought Pfizer the intellectual property and they signed a uh, manufacturing contract, believe it or not, in 2018. So they began manufacturing the mRNA in 2018. And this is from what's uh, the JP Morgan conference, which is in January of every year. So this is from JP Morgan 2021. And it's the, the big uh, whales in biotechnology, pharma and device. And this is from their investor presentation and their mission statement 
uh, is harnessing the immune system's full potential to fight human disease, not cancer disease, not diabetes disease, not viral diseases, but the disease of humans. So yeah. e it's not evil's not even they're not even covering up what their objective is. They're, they're saying humans are a disease and we're going to reprogram the human body to attack and kill self. That's so they they're it's it, you know it, evil's not hiding in the darkness. It it's no. it, it's staring us in the face and it's got a bullhorn and they're telling us like you know and that's the thing people think okay well once we caught them then it's over. No you can't just catch evil. You have to stand up and stop it. And I think that's where people are delusional right now. They're like how is all this stuff about Pfizer? Everyone knows this, but nothing's happening. It's like, well, what are you doing to stop it? You're, you're not speaking up. You're not showing at school board meetings. You're not showing at county board meetings. You're not talking to police. You're, you're, you know what I mean? You're, you have to stop evil. It's not going to stop itself. And we're, I'm going to close with that example at the end because you gave me that as a, a teaser in some of our conversations back and forth. But yeah, I want to just go off on a, a little bit of a tangent, but re relative to because I've been processing this a lot. You know, my my background is in strategic planning. And so when, you know, I start seeing this stuff, I think, what is going on? How did this even happen? And so then, you know, the satanic agenda what's been sold to us so how can evil have been hidden for so long and you know there's been a couple big lies that satan has weaved in in the long-term history one is of course evolution because if you believe in evolution there's no accountability to god so then uh, god doesn't exist so if god doesn't exist well then we've got to have things like vaccines to protect us right and you know the another big lie that was sown is that people are inherently good. So if we're inherently good, you know, you can't envision this type of evil even happening. And then the the thing that I've spent a lot of time in is the is programming. That's why this podcast is called deprogramming. And Don, I'm going to have you bring up uh, slide four of the PowerPoint because what I see happening is the programming that's happening now all fits into Revelation 13. And so Satan has had 6,000 years to develop the Antichrist system. And the less evil Satan is the false prophet system. And I see the race to expose evil as just that. It plays into Satan's hand so that he can resurrect himself as the angel of light and set up the false prophet system. So everything seems to be fitting into one of those two camps. And that's the esoteric agenda. So exoterically, what we all see on a daily basis, go ahead and bring up the next slide, Don. You know, there's the two that I picked for this slide are, you know, obviously COVID because uh, that's, you know, you can't get enough, people can't get enough of it. It's all, you know, the race to expose whatever is the next level of evil with COVID, you know, and, and what you're sharing is that you did it first and you shared it at the level, the nth degree level right at the beginning, but people can't get enough of it. It's like, it's been re slow released so that it keeps hanging on as this esoteric dialectic so that nobody gets to see what's really happening. And then on the other end, on the less evil end is the whole Trump agenda. You know, people can't get enough of that. They think, you know, they think a man's going to save us. I mean, there's got to be any man that saves us from this. Anyway, that's my rambling on it. But if you want to give your perspective quick on, on that tangent would be fantastic, Karen. 
Yeah. I mean, the devil, I mean, he's the father of lies. He's the, he came to uh, kill and destroy and, and he, he loves to distract us. Right. I mean, he loves for us to, and I think that's, that's what's been going on, whether it's COVID-19 or the election fraud. Right. Um, in 2020, 21, um, you know, in Pfizer's own documents, you could see the fraud that was committed in their contract with the DOD. It's not like a normal military contract or government contract. And I've, I've reviewed and written hundreds of contracts in my life. I've been in courts arguing about contracts. I know them very well. They forfeited their immunity uh, under Operation Warp Speed. They had to develop develop a safe and effective vaccine, um, and they and they cited the FDA laws that they had to adhere to. Not this emergency use, you know, immunity. That was it was literally forfeited, uh, and it was forfeited in exchange for the fact that they would own their intellectual property and the government wouldn't own anything. They wouldn't have to pay royalties to anybody. And they'd have this huge pipeline for mRNA. Um, so they've always. So I think what's going on is, um, and I played into this right when I first came forward um, in 2021. I brought forward all the data to, to really start prosecuting Pfizer, and then people were saying, "Oh, you know, can you look into luciferase? Can you look into this patent? Can you, you know?" And I was, they were saying jump, and I was saying how high, and I and I got derailed from what God originally put on my heart to do. You know, which was to do what I do for seven, six, and seven-figure clients for his children, and I could have stopped right there. I could, I mean, I could have just stopped and stuck with the the Pfizer data I had, um, the information I pulled from the patents, and some peer-reviewed in the contract. And and what happened this past year was I really focused in on just the key data points, and I kept repeating the same message, and I started activating local people at the county level specifically in Florida, and then in other states, people called me, and I think I poked the devil himself, and that's when um, the, um, it's more than the threats on my life, that, that's, that's when I fled the country. Yeah, because, because I told people, stop looking for more information. We have it all here, and let's, let's charge forward and find uh, um, an ethical, honorable attorney general, state prosecutor, sheriff, whoever, that will move forward to, to, to start to hold Pfizer to account. So um, that was that was where I crossed the line. And I had no idea the breadth and the depth of the evil in this world. And do not fool yourself. Standing in the truth, um, going up against a multi-trillion dollar, demonically inspired um, new industry, um, they will go after everyone you know, and you have to forgive people because when you're faced with threats to your life or your loved ones, I, I have to forgive people if they bend a knee. I have to forgive people if, um, you know, if I go out, it's nothing for someone to give someone a hundred bucks and say, hey, put this in that woman's soda. Uh, it, it's nothing to... Um, reach out to within my inner circle to ask me to go somewhere or be somewhere because, and I can't judge them because they haven't processed what it's like to face evil. And before I came forward, because I work in the industry, I had an inkling of what, I just had an inkling of what I was going to have to go up against. And I mourned for 72 hours for three days. Um, and I think that's, you know, what Abraham had done. I had to mourn the loss of everything I was afraid to lose. And I had to mourn my worst nightmares coming true in order to come forward. And um, 
many people were angry at me for coming forward and speaking the truth because it was very risky to a lot of people. And um, my friends at the industry were like, we can't have anything to do with you anymore. It is so strange to, to, I, I, it's, we haven't had the exact same experiences as you, but you know, when you see if people do, can't get in your shoes and when they can't get in your shoes, they say things like, why don't you get back to nor? Why don't you get back to life as normal and things like that? They don't understand. You can't, you can't. And you know, what we're fighting it's so big, you know, I'm going to actually have Don bring up the sixth slide from the PowerPoint because this is, God told us this was going to happen ahead of time. In fact, the United States is deceiving the entire world with its pharmacia. God told us that was going to happen in Revelation 1823. Uh, officially, 71% of the entire world has been jabbed. And, you know, that's what's going on. And Karen, I'm going to get into that Medscape article next, just so people see it on a, um, so we're talking about a macro level, but on a micro level, what is actually happening? And Don, can you bring up Karen's uh, Substack, the October 22nd Substack? Karen, do you remember this Substack? I want you to comment on it because my my question for you relative to this Substack, as we take it down to, uh, you know, a street level is, what is your perspective about controlled opposition? Because that's what I, when I, I read between the lines in that substack and I. Oh, have your no, no, I, no, no. So I think Steve Kirsch is a, you know, he's not a doctor or a scientist, right? But he's a very smart guy that's doing the best he can to bring information together. And just like we criticized Trump for who he surrounded himself with as uh, counselors, you know, um, Steve's going to default to the experts around, around him. So I think that, um, so. But so here, but here's the thing, um, the plasma DNA contamination. For, uh, so I brought up contamination in early 2020, mid 2020, 21. And that, that again, you can recall, start recalling by lots. And then um, I had, you know, I had a whole strategy and they rejected it. So the it, it is, it's a, it's a very viable strategy. I don't condemn that strategy. Like, so it took me a long time you know, a year or so to get to the point where I kept escalating the urgency to the point where I'm like, look, this meets the literal definition of a bioweapon. There's a lot more ramifications globally with that term, uh, locally and globally. And and so so I don't condemn the plasma DNA contamination strategy. I absolutely do support it um, because it it can it can allow the recall to happen. And what God put on my heart was to get the shots out of the communities to protect his children. So, you know, I don't, there's, there's, there's not one way to do it. So I think that that is a, um, I think, you know, we know plasma DNA is in there. AGC put a, a press release out, Pfizer's partner in June of 2021 saying that it was in there. We know SV40, which is the, the monkey uh, uh, cancer gene that's in there. Um, they'll find HeLa in there too, which is a very aggressive form of cancer. So um, here's the thing: you, you, the FDA allows contaminate contaminants to be in biologics and even in our food, unless it reaches to a level that it causes harm, and then, then it has to be recalled, and and the manufacturer is responsible because they put too much contaminant in. So it's a viable strategy to pull it off the market. Um, so I, I don't. Um, I think what happened, though, is 
I came out early on saying that these should be recalled. I started off with contamination, you know, and um, and you know, and, and and I, you know, and also the adverse event profiles and, and whatnot. And I was called controlled opposition for years, and um, and and I didn't even want to talk about the lipid nanoparticles belong to a, a, a classification known as nanotechnology. I really didn't want to go into that because it's it, it was kind of this conspiracy theory and it made you sound crazy. But it's a multi-trillion dollar industry. Nanotech is in our food. It's in um, our biologics. It's, you know, uh, it's in it's in our smartphones. OK. Uh, and so uh, I think what, you know, if, if, if the plasma DNA recall strategy starts the conversation to say, what else is in these vials and we can have a conversation to say that this is a new category of of biotechnology um, known as synthetic biology which is merging technology with biology and taking biology and turning it into technology like and we can we can have that conversation um because they're not full stop is not going to happen at this point but i think people should be aware of what's happening so that they can say no, I don't. I, I'm choosing not to have my body or my child's body merged with non-human DNA and uh, technology, digital technology. Um, and, and keep in mind, you know, people might say Karen sounds crazy. Now, Dr. Robert Malone did do an interview um, with Glenn Beck where he said mRNA was the gateway to transhumanism. And Glenn Beck asked him, "What is transhumanism?" And he said, "He said it's the merger of human biology with non-human biology." and the biodigital realm. So, so that's what it is. And these injections, because we didn't say no, evil says, sees that as we agree to it, that we entered into a contract with evil saying we're agreeing that you change God's creation. And in, in the book of Mark, I think it's chapter 18, uh, they talk about end times and the tribulation and they say, um, it says that um, not since the days of creation, you know, which God created, has there ever been such tribulation? Not since the days of creation until now, meaning that a new entity began creating life. And it says that um, all flesh, all which is all biological life, would have been destroyed if God had not shortened the days for the sake of the elect. Correct. So when Mark, you know, in the book of Mark, when they're when it's prophesied, when they're prophesizing for about end times, it talks about this other entity creating life forms that is not God, and it says that God is going to shut these uh, and you know cut these days short. Otherwise, there would be none of His creation left. That's you know, it's a exact. Uh, type and shadow of what happened in Noah's time with the Nephilim. It's the, it's the exact same thing. Uh, we're going to just do one more topic yet because you sent me the Medscape article and I put together two slides that I'd like your comment on. So Don, can you bring up the slide seven from the PowerPoint and then Karen, your perspective on these two slides? I know you know them well because they're in your, uh, yeah. so you use them in one of your sub stacks. Yeah, well, we, so Medscape, um, which is um, it, it's a, an industry media platform, they do continuing med medical education for healthcare providers, but industry can go there too. 
Uh, they did a survey of over 3,000 physicians across 29 specialties. 55% had, had been named as a defendant or co-defendant in a lawsuit. Um, and they asked them, you know, how do you, how do you adjust after you, you've been a, a defendant or co-defendant in a lawsuit? And they said, we trust the patients less. And I think that's absurd because I didn't know, like, because what happened was the patients underwent a procedure or a surgery where they had a negative outcome and their health was deteriorated or they died. And I didn't know trustworthiness would be a risk factor for that, right? So I think that's ridiculous that they're Agreed. saying the problem is straight. And then, then, then this is exactly what's happened in the, you know, at the federal level with big pharma. So, um, and actually happened in the nanotech industry. They go, they go, well, um, doctors, how can you discourage patients from bringing malpractice lawsuits against you? Like for them to actually even be brought in front of a judge. So nearly 50%, 49% said, we'll have a panel of our peers decide whether or not a patient's lawsuit is valid to go in front of a judge. So who's going to give a cop a speeding ticket, right? Yep. So, you know, and then they said, and if, it do, if they do agree that it should go to trial, then the trial should be strictly made up of people from the industry. Yep. It's, ridiculous. This is, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you can't have yeah you can't have the um, what is it the the, the wolf guarding the hen house. This is, <laughs> exactly. It, it's just the and and the way that this was written in Medscape was they were making it out like doctors were the victims and and it's so they said they they suffer emotional and financial trauma yet the majority of their um you know if they first of all only fifteen percent of malpractice lawsuits even make it to a settlement or a court. They don't, you know, so that's includes settlements, right? So that includes just filing a claim. And, you know, one third of them pay between $0 and $100,000 and less than 4% pay more than $2 million, right? So, and it's covered by their insurance. So, you know, I had right. some people commenting on my subject saying that I'm paying, you know, that I'm attacking doctors and, and, and I'm, not pay, I'm not talking about those patients who are just money hungry you know, and they go get the, the ambul ambulance chasers. It's like, well, those cases normally get thrown out, right? Um, you know, be because as I mentioned early, at the beginning of this interview, sometimes there are innocent um, mistakes. There's negligence happens, you know, it, it, by, by mistake, but, you know, which is what happened with my father and uh, and, and the stroke that occurred. So um, this is just, this article again is from Medscape and it, it, it kind of, again, painting the doctors as the victims when one of their patients is disabled or or murdered, just to me seemed ridiculous, you know? Um, I, so. I, of course, agree. And, you know, I have personal experience now because of our own lawsuit and I see these things as not concepts anymore. They're, they're in fact, reality. So for example, the informed consent statute in Wisconsin, the statute has no teeth. So if a doctor violates uh, the standard of informed consent, you have to file a claim with the medical examining board. And this is the cop giving the cop the speeding ticket because the medical examining board is made up of 10 physicians and three lay people. So of course, when we filed the complaint, they came back and said the doctor did no wrong. Well, then there was a pharmacist in California. She's uh, world renowned. She wrote hundred page complaints, Karen, on three of the doctors and one of the nurses. And she got the same form letter 
back that I received when I filed my complaint. So they didn't even take a doctor's complaint. To, you know, she had reviewed Grace's record. So you can see this thing is, it's, you know, to think that the doctors are the victims is absolutely ridiculous. Let's go to the next slide, Don, and talk about these gains from the lawsuits, because you mentioned this already, but people... People have comment, you know, if they comment on your Substack, you know, I don't want you to give my number out, but it's like I would like to talk with each one of them to realize we're, you know, for we're not in this for the money, as you know. But I mean, if we were, I mean, there would be the dumbest business decision I would have ever made in my life because there's no money in these cases. But anyway, yeah, no, I no. So this is I, I just I just quoted this. So eighty five. Right of the cases favor the doctor, meaning there's they're dismissed, there's no settlement, or sometimes the doctors are, are actually paid in the court of law. So it's only 15% that favor the patient. And, and then, you know, you look at the, the payout. So, um, you know, if, if let's say uh, you're a, a father of four children and your wife is a stay-at-home mother and you, uh, you know, in a hospital, like, let's say, what happened to you happened to my father, you, you, you get a serious stroke and uh, you, you can no longer function at work, you know, and uh, you can't provide for your family, you know, a $100,000 payout is not going to cover Nothing. raising four children, uh, you know, a million dollar payout isn't going to cover that, you know, right. so, you know, the, you know, and again, so if you, you, so if you have a disease, you have a chronic disease or an acute disease, and you have to go to the hospital, um, you know, there is, there's risk that goes along with that. But then as Judge McGinnis ruled in your case, though, you know, if you, you have to look at how the patient was treated. And if it was intentional because of a, um, because of financial incentives, because of, you know, because if they make certain diagnosis and use certain treatments, you know, they're going to get a huge payout and they actually induce harm, injury, disability, or death, then and they're financially paid for it, then that shows motivation and that should fall outside of any malpractice law. That's no different than hiring a hitman. You know, if you, like right you on. said, if, you know, Grace would have been alive if you allowed her to stay on a ventilator and they would have killed her on October 22nd because they would have gotten a $300,000 payout. How is that different than me giving someone $300,000 to go and, you know, um, poison someone with a medic, you know, with a tick that's going to give them a heart attack? It's no different. They, they got paid 300, you know, they would be paid $300,000 to, you know, um, ventilators destroy your, your, your lungs. You're not supposed to put them on if you're, if people's lungs are functioning properly. Um, yeah. So right, right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Je Jessica, our daughter has said multiple times, if the same doctor who killed Grace shot somebody in the street, he'd be in jail right now awaiting his trial. But he keeps killing people because we can't hold these people to account. And, you know, I'm, I'm humbled to have the first lawsuit in the country that, that hopefully will expose this evil. The last question I have for you, Karen, is uh, it's a version of what can be done, but it's, it plays off of one of our calls. You told me people should stop waiting for permission. So yeah. I want you to close with your thoughts on people sitting on their thumbs. Let's get going. Well, yeah, we, well, you were talking about Satan, you know, is the father of lies and deception, right? And so part of how the freedom movement, medical freedom movement has been deceived is we're being told this lie. I mean, we're, you know, trust the plan originally, right? Or, right. Um, or the lie that there's nothing you can do 
um, against Pfizer. They're, you know, we, we know that they knowing, and I'm not, and I know Moderna and J&J as well, but I focused on Pfizer because they are the giant. Uh, right. They have 68% market share. Okay, they did over $100 billion in worldwide revenue. Uh, they are the giant in the room. They got the first approval and they also have a contract that opens them, that exposes them to, to make them vulnerable. So we're being told there's nothing you can do. And as I said, that's extrinsic fraud. So um, it, like in corporations, let's say uh, in the state of California, people were abusing labor laws and they had people working 60 hours a week without any breaks and whatnot. Well, they would have their management team and senior management team and other people, other laborers seated with them saying, oh, no, 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 it's, it's normal in the state of California to work 60 hours a week. That's not true that you're owed overtime or extra money just because you worked more than 40 hours a week. And so that's called extrinsic frauds when you, when you create an environment so that a victim or victims or an entire company or nation will not take action, right? Because you have experts telling them, oh, no, no, there's nothing you can do. This is normal. The only thing we can do is, is wait for the FDA to recall the product, right? There's nothing else that can be done. And that's just simply not true. That, that, and that's, again, God gave us a, 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 a spirit of power, which is authority, uh, love, and a sound, which is a wise, intelligent mind. He did not give us a spirit of fear, right? right. And he didn't say, sit back, you know, read your Bible and pray while Satan's plan is unfolding on, on the earth. He said, yes, do that, but don't sit back. He said, put on the full armor of God, you know? That's right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and fight. So that's where people I think are um, being deceived and they're waiting for someone to tell them it's okay for you to say that you're a victim of a crime or that your loved one was, you know, um, because you, doctors are going to gaslight you, you know, and, and the thing is too, you know, in the pharma industry, you know, many attorneys are going to gaslight you. They, their pharma clients, you know, they're worth sometimes tens, hundreds of millions of dollars a year to them. Right. Uh, yeah. And so there's, there's this huge, the breadth and the depth of the network that we're fighting against is unfathomable. And you know, when you stand boldly in the truth and you don't back down from evil, um, it, I'm not saying it, it is, it is terrifying. It is, it is scary, you know? Um, but, you know, I believe that, you know, when you actually connect with God and you understand the truth and you understand that we are all the valuable God's children, that you would, you would fight for them, that you would love them the way that God loves you, which is what grace embodied and that you would, you would, you would simply stand and fight and trust in God and protecting you. Um, it, it doesn't mean, you know, I know the book of uh, Psalms, it says, you know, you don't, you don't run into evil, right? So when, when Jesus was talking to the, when the prophecies approached Jesus, I should say, and, you know, they accused him of who his father was. They basically accused Mary of, you know, not being faithful. And they, uh, you know, and, and they said, you're not, a, you're, you know, who's your father? They, they accused him of being a demon, you know? And not being of the lineage of Abraham, and you know, and he said, "I I knew Abraham before he was born. That's who I am." You know, and uh, he's like, "You're you're of your father, you know, the father of lies. When you speak, you speak in his tongue." And the Pharisees picked up stones to stone him. You know what Jesus did? He ran away. 
he ran into like he didn't go okay i mean like he knew his destiny in front of the court if you will like it, and and he knew that judas uh, iscariot was going to betray him you know but you know god gives us a sense of when it's our time and and i believe all of our times on on this earth are god knows the day and the time that we are no longer going to be here according to his plan right so don't foolishly run into evil you know i know people some people criticize me when i left the country you know like well if she's afraid of dying she must not be a christian well, well jesus didn't sa- stand there and get stoned and a bunch of <laughs> in front of her you know like, so so i'm not it's not being foolish so it, it, it's like it's just having that courage to if you know something's wrong do something about it and if you and if the first you know attorney you go to or the first doctor you talk to says oh no no there's nothing you can do then go talk to another attorney then go you know then go to your church find a network of people that are like-minded you know and, and build a movement you know and that and that's what i taught my son you know just because someone says no to you once you know if you know what you want to accomplish then you know start with your family then go to your friends then start building an outside community until you get accomplished what it is that you know is the right thing to accomplish and and that's what I did. I, I went from talking to some of the senators and being part of the movement to talking to attorney, you know, generals and state prosecutors. And then I finally just went down to the county level and said, I realized I just need to talk to, to, to normal everyday people. So I did like the opposite in the power hierarchy to try to get things done. Um, and, you know, I think 10 counties in Florida have said, you know, ban the bioweapon, ban the jab and um, countries. So, um, Lieutenant General Igor Kiryov from Russia cites my work, cites, you know, the Pfizer contract. He ordered Europe and Asia and Africa countries to cancel their contracts with Pfizer. They did. And Pfizer reported a $12 billion loss for the year. And they specifically cite that their European contracts were renegotiated. So it's dangerous, but I mean, if there's $12 billion less of this you know, harmful technology being used on the human population, then what I did was worth it. Yeah, that's uh, that's the right attitude, no doubt about it. I'm going to do a, a little bit of a close then, Karen, and then I'm going to come back to you for the final word before we have Don sign us out. So, you know, I, I, as I am waking up personally, I see that virtually everything I believed was a lie. I'm 60 years old now, and to come to grips with that, it's it's been a big deal. And as I see it, the largest psyop that's ever been sold to us isn't COVID, it's that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And then I've chased the American dream because of believing that lie. And there's a much larger psyop, and that's the esoteric lesser of two evils agenda that Satan started sowing in the garden. And so that looks this way. Don, can you bring up uh, slide nine from the PowerPoint? So that's what this looks like in terms of a graphic. So the world presents us with these two choices right now. We have all heard about the Great Reset, and some of us have heard about the Great Awakening. And as I see it, the Great Awakening is also part of the satanic agenda, the less evil agenda. And the reason I say that is because the people promoting it have one thing missing, which is they're not acknowledging how we got here, which is 
rejecting God. And that means the only way out of it is repentance. And I'm going to read something from Ron Panzer. Uh, those of you who don't know Ron, he was on my podcast several months ago. He's the foremost expert in the euthanasia agenda. He's uncovered that agenda as a um, uh, population reduction agenda. So, Don, can you bring up Ron Panzer's slide? That's the last one. So he sent this out last week as a warning to the West, and I, I really like what he wrote. And so I'm going to read that with. So he writes, with that in mind, humbly standing before him, we can only revere him and serve and protect the lives before us. This is what he calls us to do. But there are enemies of life. There are adherents to the cultures of death who will argue, ridicule, ban, and seek to silence those who speak the truth through intimidation while they go about fundamentally changing the society. Those fanatics who terrorize others and act to subvert a peaceful society do so to seize power, shape the changes to come to that society and force the people to submit to their rule. And, you know, Karen's experience, and this is why I wanted to have her on, is she, she is one of the few who has taken the personal risk to speak the truth. You know, and Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And Jesus has always called his followers to not fall for, the, for what the world offers. And this is our time. So I hope those of you who are watching today uh, see that and, and start doing something about it. So Karen, the final word, please. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's important for people to start speaking the truth, you know, in love and just reconnecting with people. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Um, and know that as you do speak the truth, though, you will be persecuted. So, um, you know, this, in the Bible, you know, when Jesus was bringing the truth uh, of salvation, you know, uh, and of, be, of us being children of God and the importance of adhering um, to God's commandments, but you know specifically to love, to to not have any idols. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor through that love that God has for you. You know, um, first they attacked him and discredited him, right? So that's what's going to happen to you. It happened to me. Then they're going to project onto you. Evil will project onto you what they are doing. Uh, that's out of Joseph Goebbels' book, and it's in the Bible. Joseph Goebbels was the head of propaganda for Nazi Germany. So they'll say your controlled opposition you're trying to distract people from from actually you know accomplishing something that you're you know i've been called a demon i've been called a russian operative i've been called all these i mean you, you would not believe that so that's the next thing and then when they can't control you if i'm you know hopefully this doesn't you know you get enough people in your community that this doesn't happen they'll resort to violence and you know uh and and that's harm to to you uh, you know, and, and people that you care about. And, um, you know, so it's very, you know, I don't want to discourage people. I want you, I want to encourage you and just, and just start and, and there's safety in numbers. So find communities where you can all get on the same page and, and say, you know, we are not going to stand for this tyranny anymore. We, we know these injections, you know, at a minimum are toxic poisons. And we want them taken out of our community, just like they took Tylenol out of um, the pharmacies in Chicago and then across the nation when it was contaminated. So that's why I'm on board with this 
plasma DNA contamination. So, you know, start demanding at the community level with your commissioners, with, uh, you know, the police officers. I, um, you know, you, you just, you have to do it. I, I mean, I, I got the PCR testing thrown off of my son's high school campus. I got, they had a vaccination center. I had that kicked off. And I shut down their whole monkeypox screening before they even started it, you know. So, you, I'm not well liked. I'm like an, I'm like the OG Karen, the original. I mean, like, the, like, the, you know, that <laughs> name probably fits me well. I'm not, you know, like, you know, but, but, but people who do they feel understand? Like, that doesn't, you know, Jesus was controversial, and we're to follow in his footsteps. Like, people who who really actually care about people to the like and will fight for them you know they're controversial p people um you know and and that's you know and i understand not everyone has that in them but but you can pray to god through the power of the holy spirit to get that strength to get that courage um to ask for the words of wisdom you know whatever that phrase is that you you need so that when you engage with people you you can plant a seed to wake them up that's that's right on. Wow. Thanks for coming on today, Karen. It was this was really a really a gift and a blessing. Oh, thank thank you, Scott. And God God bless you. I mean, uh you're you are a, a gift. As I said, um, I was on an interview with Stu Peters. I, I, I really see you as a, a beacon of light and a role model, you know, um for for fathers and males. Like this is how you this is how the patriarch fights. This is what you do. You don't, you don't bow down. You, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, um, you don't roll over. You're like, you, you know, if you don't get out of my way, you're going to be rolled over, you know, and, and you, you know, you, you just gave us a snippet. I, I don't, I can't imagine how many doctors and attorneys and experts that you went through until you found this brilliant team, um, that you know is fighting for truth and justice you know and and that grace's death is is, is not for nothing that it, it is she's going to change um she's going to she's going to change the way doctors look at patients they're no longer going to be financial incentives but they'll be looked at as human beings and as daughters and sons and mothers and fathers and nieces and nephews and and, and the children of god as they should be looked at yeah, Grace did not die in vain. You know, I, I, uh, I'm nobody special. I'm just a dad, and I'm just doing what any dad would do. It just Grace. You know, she had a way about her, and you know, before she, when she was alive, I was known as Grace's dad because everybody in the community knew Grace. She was, she was very popular, and you know, anybody like her would be. I mean, she was, she just had all kinds of love. She was encouraging, and oh my gosh, and now, you know, after. She's making a difference even more so now that she's gone and she deserves it. She deserves what the work that I'm putting in right now and I'm glad to do it. Well, I'll- uh, Wait, wait, before we go. Oh yeah, go ahead. Please don't downplay what you're doing. I mean, you're saying you're doing what, what any other dad would do. I've spoken to Brooke Jackson a few times. You know, we, we have a kind of a small circle and we talk to one another and she's like, Karen, I just did what anyone else would do. And I said, Brooke, no, you did not. I go, there was, you know, um, nations around the world invested hundreds of billions of dollars in this technology. And you came forward as a whistleblower 
to say that the trials are fraudulent, to shut down a, an industry that's been planned out for 10 years. There's 10 year contracts with government. I was like, what you did was, you know, bravery doesn't describe it. Right. And she's like, oh, I'm just a normal person. And and it's the same with you, Scott. It's you're you're brave, you're courageous, you are embodying, you know, what God wants a father to be to his family and his community. And and there's not enough men like you today. We we you I hope others are inspired to to you know to 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 follow in your footsteps, to imitate your behaviors, to to say, wait, I am going to protect my family from, you know, whether it's medical tyranny, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's the LGBTQ, they're going to say, no, no more are you going to abuse my children. I'm going to be a patriarch and I'm going to stand and protect my children, you know, and I'm going to trust in God to protect me during that process. Well, you know, what you're saying is, is very kind. I, it, it's, you know, the thing is, Karen, that I would, because I was chasing the American dream, I would have rated myself a C minus at best as a dad. And, you know, today uh, I'm not chasing that anymore. And I, I want to get an A going out. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I've never been all in on something this important in my life. And, and uh, God gives you the strength when you're all in for him. And I, I, uh, I'm humbled to do it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. God bless. All right. You can count us out. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.